did it. We did it. We did it. We did it, guys. We are through winter. I believe it. I believe we're through winter. If you believe it, come on. You got to give it up. Um, I bought my grandson. Um, if you're a White Sox fan, I'm sorry, but I brought my, bought my grandson, uh, Javier Baez, a uh, shirt yesterday at Kohl's. So baseball season's kicking in. 50 degree weathers in the next 10 days. So we did it. 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 So I'm excited about that. I still haven't got used to you guys as winners. I'm a southern guy and uh, winners are long up here. Um, remember on the back row, uh, in your apps, I always hear my wife saying, finish your sentence. On the back row, we have group sign up, but also on your Church on the Rock Huntley app, you can download that. Um, you can see all the new groups. All the new groups actually start this week. So there's like 14 new groups, uh, probably the most we've ever had as a church. So we're excited about that. Lord, I just feel like just giving you praise today and just saying thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making our life happy. Thank you for giving us your peace. Thank you for giving us your joy. I just want to say we don't want anything right now. We just want to say thank you, Lord. Everybody echo that. Just say thank you, Lord. We appreciate you and we love you today. Amen. We are concluding our series. I hope you enjoyed it. It was called Love Like Jesus, Hope and Healing to a Wounded, Fractured, and Divided World. <clears throat> today we're going to talk about loving the overlooked. Loving people that we might not notice. You know, in our, in our culture, there are certain people that seem like they get all the attention. Uh, if, if you're beautiful, or you're super athletic, or you're wealthy, or you're a hot race car driver, or you're just out there eccentric and crazy, or successful, famous people, we turn our head and point at them, look who just came in, that's someone important. I don't know how we define how people are important or, or not, but we do that. Remember the time in school when you were standing by somebody really popular that everybody liked and thought they were the number one guy or the number one girl, and everybody's looking past you, and they're talking to them, and you get no eye contact. It's like you're invisible, and you're not even sitting there. Nobody even notices. You know, they call that marginalized. And I think all of us at some time or another, we have felt pushed to the fringe or ignored or treated as unimportant and maybe powerless, powerless, that you just couldn't do anything, that you were sidelined, over, overlooked, or just discarded, like it just didn't matter. And I want to ask you, how many have you have ever felt that way? And if you ever felt that way, how did that make you feel? How does it make you feel when you're overlooked? Marginalization, I want you to look at this definition. And I asked him to leave it up there for a long time. Um, actually, Brian gave me this definition, and and, and I have just turned this over and over in my head. It's so deep and it's so profound. But mar marginalization is this. It's the act of comparing yourself to others in an effort to raise your personal value. It's a compensation to self through a, through a selection of specific characteristics in others that you feel like you excel in or you're pretty good at that while ignoring others because we decide that's a personal weakness in them. What's up with that? And so 
whatever that is, whatever, we, whatever that may be for all of us, I think it's different for everybody. In fact, I was going to write down different things that I thought that could mean. But I think it's defined in this, is whatever people pride themselves in the most is probably what they judge others the most in. Think about that. What you pride yourself in, that you excel in, maybe might be where you're looking down your, down your nose at somebody else. Makes sense? Because none of us would compare our weaknesses. We're going to compare our strengths. So in our unfair, in our cruel culture that we're seeing today, and this fractured and division that we're seeing in our country, and in our neighborhoods, and in our cities, a lot of people are getting marginalized. It could be by age, or gender, or race, religion, appearance, where we're big, or we're little, or we're athletic, people that are chronically ill, people that have a disability, or a mental, or a mental illness, or they're poor, they might be an immigrant. As believers, we're commanded to love everybody that might feel like that they get marginalized. So today I'm going to talk about how can we help people who feel like they're marginalized. How many would like to do that? How many want to help people that seem like they're overlooked? Today we're going to look at a cool story. It's found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Two blind guys, two blind guys, they were overlooked, passed, pushed out to the edge. But as I'm reading this story, I didn't put it on the screen because I just wanted you to listen. But as I'm reading this story, I want you to listen to the verbs. The verbs in this is Jesus heard, stopped, looked, asked, and touched. You might want to write that down. He heard, stopped, looked, asked, and touched. In other words, those, those are actions that I want us to apply in our lives today. Okay, two, men, two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by so they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd scolded them and tried to get them to be quiet. Shut up. Be quiet. But they just shouted louder, Lord, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and looked their way. Then he asked, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, we want to see they said, we want to see. Jesus felt, actually there's another one, felt compassion for them. So he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. And then they started following Jesus. So five takeaways I want to do for this one. The first one is listen for clues that people are in pain. Listen for clues. People are in pain all around us, every day, everywhere. We're just not tuned into it, or we're kind of in our own world, or we're not on that wavelength, and I think we just walk by. Could it be that, that, that we've got so much attention on what we're about and what we're doing that we just don't have attention on anybody else? Because I believe that everybody's dealing with stuff, and I think as we love like Jesus that God wants us to see all people. Notice the scripture and the, the story says this. These guys were sitting by the roadside. Remember we said that's how you're marginalized. You're pushed to the side. And they shouted. They, 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 they were pushed to the side, and so they started shouting. Brothers and sisters, when you see people acting out or acting up or, or, or doing things that you think's out of the ordinary or maybe unacceptable or maybe not right, could it be that they're just trying to get some attention because they seem like they're overlooked. 
These blind men were overlooked and they shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. Be quiet. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. Calm them. They shouted all the louder. Brothers and sisters, millions, I believe, are sitting by the roadside today in our culture, marginalized. At home, I believe our wives may be crying out, husbands. At home, our, our, our husbands may be acting out, or tension may be in the room. Or how about our children? Sometimes when they seem the most obnoxious or, or, or the hardest to, to seem to get peace and cohesiveness co, co, uh, in the family, could it be that they're just shouting out in their pain? Could it be, could it be in the home that that's happening? Could it be with our friends that, that, that when our friends start acting out and there's, there's tension and there's trouble in friendships, could it be that we're making our friends feel invisible, unimportant, overlooked, nothing to say or give? And I even think this happens in the workplace as if you're not there. Have you ever been at work and you have this great idea and you know you can put some input in and, and you've been loyal? I mean, you've been loyal. You put your time in. You almost feel like, I've earned this, right, but yet people, are, it's like you're not there. Your skills are unimportant. Your ideas and abilities, they're overlooked, unwelcome, and maybe you feel unnecessary. I believe that people are crying out all over our, all over our world, and they feel like they don't belong anymore. And I believe that there's a loneliness, and people feel like they're rejected, and that they're by themselves in this world. And I think we've all felt that at times. Job even said this. Remember, Job lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his, his, his barns. He lost his children. He was sitting in a bowl scraping scrap, scabs off his body. How many think we have it bad? Look at the life of Job. Sitting in a bowl scraping scabs off his body. And his wife saying, Job, just curse God and be done with it. He said, I'll never lift my voice to curse God. But even that, Joe said, though I cry out, I've been wronged. This isn't fair. This isn't right. I get no response. Though I call for help, nobody listens. I about decided there's no justice. Guys, is this, our, is this relevant? Is this our world? Is this not the place that we live in or not? Well, the Bible says this. That may be the way the world is, but can a Christian be different? Can, can we as a church be different as, our, as we follow Jesus and do what he did? The Bible says when Jesus, everybody says heard. When Jesus heard them, one person was listening that day, and his name is Jesus. And I'm telling you that Jesus hears and listens to our cries. So wherever you're at today, wherever you're people that feel marginalized, there is one who listens. How many wish that you had a friend who'd listen to you? How many of you are crying out in pain and acting out? How many teenagers are acting out trying to get mom and dad just to notice you? Notice your pain. Man, I remember my young teenagers used to say they would be just so upset, especially one of them, they'd say, You don't understand! You don't care! You don't understand! I believe our kids can be that way, and we need to allow them. But, man, wouldn't it be if we had one person we, we could speak to, one person that cared, one person that could give you the best advice every time? We do have that person in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says that he is in us and with us. Jesus said, I won't leave you alone. That when I go up to heaven, I'm going to send the comforter. He's even called a counselor. God's even called a counselor. You have a counselor inside of you you don't have to pay for. You have a counselor. You have a comforter. You have somebody that gives you peace right inside. And, and even in this whisper course, you can talk to him and you'll hear him talk back to you. But that's all cool, fine and dandy to have that with God. But I think God challenges us as a church to be that person that hears and they listens, that we listen for clues when people are in pain. Will you all do that with me? Let's listen for clues. Because Jesus does that. Look at Psalms 18. Psalms 18 is one of my favorite scripture. It's like, wake God up. Somebody messed with my kid. Somebody messed with my daughter. And, and the scripture's like, I rode the clouds down. I'm shooting, taking lightning and throwing it. I'm devouring the enemies and I'm shaking up. I mean, it's like God was in heaven and somebody said, somebody did this. I cried out unto the Lord. I prayed to God for help and he heard me in the sanctuary and my cries reached his ears. Read on, man. He came with fury. He came with might. So he is there. My question on this point one, are you hearing the cries around us? Are we listening for the pain behind the shouting, behind the arguing? Or do we just channel in to people we like and channel out people that we don't like or agree with? The Bible says if we shut our ears to the cries of the poor, your own cries will be ignored when you're in need. Think about that. Think about that. Everybody wants to receive. Well, let's give. So number one is listen. Number two, the number two thing that Jesus did is stop whatever you're doing at that moment. When Jesus heard their cries, he stopped. Right there in the middle of the road, dead in his tracks, no forward motion, right there standing perfectly still, undivided attention, thinking about nothing else. He gave that person their, his full attention. I'll tell you what, I challenge you this week to study when Jesus stopped. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is fun to see when Jesus stopped and see how he was to people. Write this down. If you want to be used by God, how many want to be used by God? We should, we want to be used. If you want to be used by God, I must get used to being interrupted. If you want to be used by God, you need to get used to being interrupted by God. You know, the number one destroyer of, of, of seeing people hurting and doing something and stopping in the moment is busyness. You can ask anybody, oh, how'd your week go? How'd your week? Oh, man, it's busy. It doesn't matter if you're old, young. Hey, teenager, how was your week? Oh, man, school is crazy this week. So busy. How was your week? Oh, man, busy at work. I think everybody, if you ask, how was your week? At some point, even when we're on vacation, which I'm going on vacation tomorrow in Mexico, and cora, cora, coronavirus has no hold on me. I'm going to have a good time in, 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 in uh, Mexico. So... Um, you know, the opposite of, they try to get you to fear because fear is opposite of faith. But let's stay faithful, faithful. Amen. But the number one, the number one destroyer is busyness is why we overlook. If we're going to be part of God's family, 
We can't get too busy and we cannot live that self-centered, self-only life. Let me give you a couple scriptures on that thought. I want you to always know scripture in this church. If we're going to be a part of God's family, we can't be self-centered. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. None of you should be looking out, everybody say this with me, for your own interests. Is it on the screen? Say that with you. None of you should be looking out for, but look out. Look out for what? The interest of others. Look at this next scripture. It's in the Message Bible. Don't be obsessed with with always doing things to get your own advantage. Can you forget? Can we? I won't ever say you because I'm worse than all of you, most likely. can, can, Can Brian, can you forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand? It doesn't say never think of yourself. You can think of yourself just long enough to help. Anybody with me? Say amen. So number one, we're going to listen. Number two, we're going to stop everything. And then the third thing that Jesus did is he looked past people's, I love this, he looked past people's behavior to see their value. He looked past people's behavior. Guys, we got to start looking past we got to start asking the question. We don't know people's narrative. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's going on in people's life. People are going through stuff. All we do is don't like it if somebody talks wrong to us, and we get all offended, been out of shape, and we're done. Can't be like that, guys. Can't be like that. we got to look past people's behavior. These guys were being loud. They were being disruptive. They were being obnoxious. They were being rude. And you're like, well, we shouldn't want to reward that kind of behavior. Are your children ever, ever loud, obnoxious, rude? Is your husband or your wife or a coworker ever in your face, loud, obnoxious, rude? Maybe we need to look past behavior and see what's really happening. Jesus looked past. Jesus thought about, man, what would it be like being blind? Having somebody lead you around. Hey, they didn't take care of people like people are taking care of today. They probably dug food out of trash cans. They begged. They, 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 they had, they, they didn't have, unless they had family that could take care of them, imagine being a blind person. Jesus looked past that behavior. And he repeated this. Jesus repeated this so many times. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked steadily at the man and was filled with love for him. Man, when I read that, I just felt love just like somebody just went. I just felt filled with love just reading that scripture. You know, scripture's alive. How many know scripture's alive? You know, if I felt infused with love reading that scripture, is that on the board? Let's read that together. Jesus looked steadily at the man and was filled with love. Read it again. Jesus looked steadily at that man. Wait, wait. Who was being obnoxious, rude? arrogant tearing stuff up and was say it filled with love for him fill me with love for my children fill me with love for that co-worker fill me with love for that ornery neighbor why was his look so powerful i kept saying why was his look jesus had this look when he'd look at you it would just transform you when he'd look at you it would just be like clouds of softness 
and comfort would just be around you. It was comforting and healing, just the way he could look at you. What was, what was about this look that was so powerful? Here's what it was. It was a look of unconditional love and not of judgment. It was of unconditional love and it wasn't of judgment. When Jesus looked at the crowds, when Jesus looked at the crowds, his heart broke because they were confused and aimless, wondering like sheep with no shepherd. One time these people were so into Jesus and into what it was doing, they followed him out in a desert where they didn't even realize, oh, crud, we forgot to get water. We forgot to get food. We, 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 we're out in the middle of this desert. We're going to freeze to death tonight, and we don't have any food or water because they needed help so bad. Jesus was such an answer. The Bible says he's moved with compassion, and that's where he said, does anybody have anything? We had a couple of loaves and some fish of bread and he multiplied it and thousands of people were fed what do you see when you look at people irritation frustration judgment or kindness responsibility mercy and compassion Loving like Jesus always begins with stop, look, and listen. You might want to write this down. Holy Spirit dropped this next sentence in my heart. Giving someone attention is love. If you care, you'll be aware. Giving someone attention is love. If you care, you'll be aware. So number one is listen. Number two, stop. The third thing is you look past people's behavior to see their value. Well, number three is ask people what they need. Ask people what they need. Don't assume that you, that, that, don't assume that you know. Think about this. Think about this. This really hit me. Don't assume that you know. You know, when you just look at people and you're like, well, if you're not careful, you can do this. You can even be, this can be judgment in disguise. When you, oh boy, I know what's wrong with that marriage. I know what's wrong with these kids. And your head's bobbling. bobbling. That can even be judgmental. Ask people what they need. Jesus stopped. He looked their way. The Bible says, then he asked. What do you want me to do for you? Is there anybody in this house that actually thinks Jesus didn't know? How many things he didn't know what they needed? He knew what they need. Of course he knew. He gave us the example to ask people, is there anything I can do for you? Are you okay? Asking the good question is always a way to show respect and honor people's dignity. Ask them, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do? Today, Chris Erickson's mom went to be with the Lord at like 7 o'clock this morning. And I didn't pretend to know how she felt. I don't know how she feels. I, I don't know how she feels. I'm not going to be one of those pastors that plants a smile on your face 
and says, oh, I love you, and I know just exactly how you feel. I'm not going to be professional. I don't know how you feel. I'm not lost a parent. But I want you to know, if you need anything, let me know I'm here. I'm here. Lord, he asked him, how can I help? Because when we ask him, how can you help? Let the person in, let the person in pain, let the person in pain set the agenda, not you. They answered and said, Lord, I'm telling you, even with your kids, parents, we, we don't know everything. With your wife, well, I know what the problem is. That's the problem, is you think you know what the problem is. Ask them. I tell you, my wife doesn't think like a normal. I mean, my wife, <laughs> Jesus, and that was a joke. That was a joke. Joke, joke. <laughs> Ask them. You know, honestly, most time when I'm, when, and it isn't much. Carmen doesn't get ticked at me often. I, I deserve to be, or be mad at me all the time, and she's pretty good, gracious with me. But sometimes I'm like, what? You, wives are like, you really don't know, do you? <laughs> you you absolutely, seriously. What? I, I, guys, when we, girls, listen, when we go, what? We're really seriously, what? Hey, ask them. What, what do you want me to do? What can I do? Man, I wish my parents would have said, Mom, Dad, I love you. They were great parents, but I, I wish, I don't remember my parents ever saying, is there anything I can do to help you? Are you okay? Anything you're going through? Don't, don't tell them all your stories. Be a listener. Well, I'm going through this, Dad. Oh, I remember back in 19, uh, 19 when that happened to me, and we blew it. Oh, yeah? How'd that make you feel? You know, Ask questions. Let them set the agenda. Men, we're the worst about it because we're always trying to fix it. Are y'all with me? Come on, man. Give me a healthy amen. amen. Come on, men. Amen. 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 <laughs> Number one, listen. I didn't tell you some ladies bought me and Carmen lunch today, did I? That's why I'm saying all these. Never. Bad joke. Stay away from the joke. Listen. Number two, stop. Three, looked at. Four, asked. Fifth thing Jesus did is do whatever you can to help. Jesus felt compassion. Hey, notice I wrote, do what, or the scripture says, do whatever you can to help. I, when I know people are in financial need, and um, this may seem ba basic, but people come like, man, you know that their electric's getting turned off and they can't make their rent. I used to feel this overwhelming um, heaviness because I was like, man, I, I got to come up with $2,100 somehow. I, I got to do it. But then one day I felt the Lord say, Brian, just do what you can. And I, I learned, I've learned, hey guys, I've learned in giving and helping people, just do what you can. You don't have to do it all. Because you don't, God's got other people doing stuff. And I found out that if people need $2,100 and you give them $200, it just lifts them. So dude, Jesus... Touch, he did do whatever you can to help. Jesus felt compassion for them, so he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. Only thing I want to say on that is Jews, Jesus used his ears, eyes, words, and hands.
to show them love. And all I would say on that is whatever resources we have or whatever we have in our abilities, may we use them to help people. Now we're going to breeze through this next portion. I'm talking probably two minutes and this sermon's over. We're going to breeze through this. Here's why. I wrote the scriptures in and I want you guys to look these scriptures up this week. Okay? Look at, listen to this. We're a church. Hey, how many say we're a church of action? Are, are we a church of action? Do we just hear the word or do we try to go out and do the word? How many try to go out and do it? Okay, so we're, here's our... Now let's take some action with these five principles. Let's look for five kinds of people who need love. The first kind is look for people with needs. Look for people with needs. And here's your, is it a fill-in? And offer to help. Look for people with needs, offer to help. The way you can do that, you can share your food. You can give to the poor. You can provide shelter. You can help the homeless. You can give clothes. You can help those in need. You can refuse to help, if you refuse to help your own relatives, you can do that. And then Jesus says, then he'll do some things for us. But I don't want us to look what he'll do for us. Let's look at doing for others. Number two, look for lonely people. Look for lonely people. When I come in a room, my head's on a spindle. I always try to look for someone. Look for the lonely people. Anywhere you're at. And become a friend. One group that always needs friends is immigrants. Is Carrie and Nicholas in here today? Carrie and Nicholas, are you here today? Stand up, wherever you are. Back row, stand up. Carrie and Nicholas, where did you guys come here from? Venezuela. Venezuela. Super successful people in Venezuela. An engineer. Moved to this land because his life was literally in danger where he had to go live out in the woods or something, didn't you? Or you had to live out of town or something like that is his story. Came to America without the language, without the job. You guys can be seated. Without the job, without the food, with their children. Told if you come back, your life is in danger. Your life's in danger. These guys are now, we're sending them to school. We're sending them, Church on the Rock, you're sending them to Bible college because they feel called of God to pastor a Hispanic race that's raising up in this church. They came over here, got the Uber job, got whatever they could, delivered pizza, did Google, did anything they could learn, to try to learn the... So, so being a clear, we need to notice people that's around us. We have, the Bible says there's a lot of responsibilities to immigrants. Leviticus says, do not mistreat foreigners or you li who live in your land. They should be treated like everyone else and you must love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once a foreigner in Egypt. Are y'all with me? My guess is we all, we all need, know someone that's lonely and needs a friend. Anybody out there say amen. amen. Number three, look for grieving people and be there for them. Number four, look for defeated people and help them start all over. How many know people need second chances? When people sin, we should forgive and comfort them 
for they, so they won't give up in despair. That scripture in 2 Corinthians 2, 7 says, help this guy out. He's so discouraged, he's going to be in despair. Guys, do you know mercy is messy? And it gets dirty to help people. But Jesus hung out, and he was always ready to roll up his sleeve and help defeated people by giving them another chance. And last one, look for people and show them kindness. You guys have scripture for all those things. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you want the heart of God, seriously, if you want what I've preached about, just put your hand on your heart. Say, God, give me your heart right now. Give me your heart. Give me your compassion. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me not to be so self-absorbed. Help me to listen. Help me to stop. Help me to look. Help me to ask people what they need. And Lord, let me do whatever I can to help. If you're sitting here today and you say, I want to help people, but to be honest with you, Pastor, I'm standing in the need of help today. Hey, you're in the right place. That's why we, one reason we come to church. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Who feels like you're standing alone, that you've been marginalized, that you've been pushed to the side? You think God even doesn't see you, that God doesn't even care, that God, you, you just feel like you're crying out in, in hopelessness and you're moving into despair. Is there anybody here that even feels like God doesn't know or care? Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? I'm going to pray a special prayer with you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, I just, I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? I see that hand in the back. Remember the crowd was like, shut up. Quit crying out. Quit that. Stop it. But Jesus sees you. I want you to know today that Jesus sees you. That the Bible says that he knows the very number of hairs upon your head. The Bible says that Jesus was on a mountain one time and some people were at least an hour away down on a, on a sea and there was a storm and he saw them. And I want you to know, I want you to, to dispel a lie and Jesus sees you today. He saw you so much that he gave up heaven. He gave up the pleasures of heaven and the comforts of heaven. And he came down to this earth in the form of a man 2,000 years ago. He fulfilled the re righteous requirements of the Bible because none of us could fill those requirements. He took our sin and our mistakes upon his back because we all have sins and we all have mistakes. He was punished. You know, when we do things wrong, we feel like we need to be punished. We know we were wrong. Jesus took our chastisement. Jesus took our punishment. I'm telling you, eight or ten people that raised your hands today, that he sees you and that he cares for you. 
And right now, I want you to imagine Christ on a cross. And I want you to know that your sins, your mistakes, the places you're punishing yourself, all that place has been laid upon Jesus. And he died so that he could give you life. All across this room, church, nobody prays alone. If you, if you raised your hand today and you're saying, man, I want Jesus in my life. I want that change in my life that you're talking about today. I want to love others, but first I want to receive his love. Nobody prays alone at Church on the Rock. Everybody pray. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I feel overlooked. I'm in pain. I'm in mistakes. I've made mistakes. Mistakes have been made to me. But Lord, I'm hurting today. And I need you today. I need you to be a part of my life. Lord, I ask you to take my pain, take my guilt, take my shame, take my mistakes, and I ask for your peace. I ask for your righteousness. I ask for your comfort. You that raise your hand, say, right now, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart, and I confess you as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap today. Something we do at Church on the Rock, if you're new here, because it, prayer, it's, it's not weird for a prayer to happen at church. I mean, you may have went to church and they don't pray, pray for people. You hear a sermon and you leave. But something the Lord's always said to me is we need to have a time to pray for people. So at the conclusion of this service was where we're at, is we'll have four sets of people up here, and I'll dismiss everybody, but you can come and be prayed for for anything. I, I, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you. Don't, if, you're, if you are discouraged or in despair, or you, like, I know some people lost their job this week, or, or, or you know someone that's sick, or you've got children that are wayward or something, don't carry that alone. This is a family, and we're going to have people. In fact, with the prayer team, if you want to go ahead and come on up, um, they're, they're ready for you. They've been waiting for you all week, and they, they can't wait to get to pray with you today. In fact, it's not praying for you. It's praying with you. It means we're standing with you. Don't stand alone at Church on the Rock. Before you leave today, this prayer team's going to be here. Uh, women, we want to remind you, you can sign up for the women's conference. And at the back wall, you can uh, physically sign up for small groups. I think about, man, it looks like about 15 or 16 groups back there. Or you can go on your app and look at your groups. Hey, Chad, are you an advocate of prayer? Coming and being prayed for helps, doesn't it? Helps a lot. Takes a man and a woman to pray. And uh, last thing I want to tell you is um, Carmen and I go on vacation every year. We usually go in February, but we chose to go in March because we live in the fifth wheel, and I didn't want to leave with this crazy weather. But we'll be gone for three weeks. Um, we got three amazing services. Don't say, oh, I'm not coming to church. Pastor's not there. Don't do that, or you're going to miss out. 
You're going to miss out on some good stuff. Uh, we won't be available by phone. Um, Braden, my son-in-law, he's full-time. Josh is full-time. Amanda's full-time. Judy's full-time. We got a couple of full-time pastors on staff ready to go. So we're here to care for you. And if you just pray that Carmen and I would just have a peaceful time of relaxation and some, oh, I can't wait to find the massager Rosa. <laughs> My gosh, she had my head going, my leg going clear, plumb up behind my head. I didn't know I could stretch that far. But, um, so I'm going to be looking for Rosa. <laughs> oh, you guys, you got to have a little bit of fun at church. Come on now. We have a lot of fun at church. Hey, we love you. We love you. There's a lot of new people here today. Try to find somebody you don't know. Like I see Terry and CJ here. Uh, I got to meet them before church here for the first time. So try to find somebody you don't know. Say, we're glad you're here today. We love you. We love you. God bless you. Please come for prayer. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.